0: John chapter 10. This morning we return to our study in John's Gospel in chapter 10. We noted here last time as we began chapter 10 that Jesus, as a part of this sermon, used this analogy of sheep and their shepherd. And for his listeners at that time, it was an illustration that could read, they could readily identify with. they could They could understand it probably more easily than than we could because they were very familiar with shepherds and sheep. They were very common then. They even referred to their religious and political leaders and governmental leaders as shepherds at times. And now you may recall from last week that in verse 6, we learned that Jesus' listeners didn't understand the spiritual truth. They understood the analogy of shepherd and sheep. That was familiar to them and common to them. And and, uh, similarly for us, we're familiar with the biblical language of shepherd and sheep. So we quickly identify with the analogy and think about the spiritual significance. They didn't. They didn't get it. And so in, in verses 7 through 10, Jesus began to explain. And explaining in verse 7 that he that, that he was the door of the sheep, we saw that. He called himself the door. Now remember that every, uh, every time a, a shepherd would bring his sheep from the pasture's In in the evenings, they would take them to a sheepfold and and very often in their communities there were large common sheepfolds where shepherds would would bring all of their sheep together and there would be several uh, herds of sheep and uh, be brought in, flocks of sheep be brought into one common sheepfold and they would go together and hire one who would be the gatekeeper, the doorkeeper of that common sheepfold. And we saw the imagery of that last time and that sheepfold was often a a walled-in area, a walled-in area made of rocks, and there was only one entrance, one exit, one place in and one place out, in that sheepfold. And, and the shepherd very often was that door, or if it was a common sheepfold, it was this hired gatekeeper paid to, to do that service, and he was the door. Um, I thought it was interesting. A, a few weeks ago I was reading in some of the commentaries about this passage, and, and one fellow re- related his experience of going to Israel and being in the in the the land there where where we see this set, and there was a shepherd with his sheep, and he was asking him about his duties, and and he said, what about at night? What do you do? And he says, well, we put him in the sheepfold, and and there it is. He was looking at it. He says, there's no there's no door, and the shepherd said, I'm the door, <laughs> I'm the door. That that biblical language we see the shepherd. Not even uh, the this commentator said I don't think he was a believer, not familiar with the biblical language, but he said it. It was the biblical. Imagery that we see, Jesus says, "I am the door." The shepherd said it himself. I'm the door to the sheep, and so that imagery for us is a is a spiritual imagery that Jesus gives. Of course, the people then were were struggling to see it. So he goes on to say, "I am the door. I'm the door." Look at verses nine and ten again. We we heard there in these familiar verses these precious words that are clear a clear contrast between Jesus himself and false shepherds when he says that, in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Not so the thief, verse 10, is the contrast. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, Jesus was talking about false teachers, contrasting himself between his, his ministry to mankind and the selfish so-called ministry of false teachers. So in verses 7 through 10, Jesus called himself the door. And there's this rich meaning for us here in that everything we know, everything we believe, our whole Christian faith, our whole life as followers of Christ rests on this wonderful truth that Jesus is the door. Because He's the one. He's the only door. He's the only way to forgiveness of sins. He's the only way to salvation. He's the only way to eternal life. Just like only one way into the sheepfold, right? Jesus is the one way. Now, in our passage this morning, we come to verse 11, and Jesus also calls Himself by another name He calls Himself the Good Shepherd. The good shepherd, let's look at verses 11 through 15 this morning and we'll unfold what it means that Jesus is the good shepherd. Verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep i am the good shepherd i know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and i know the father and i lay down my life for the sheep so jesus christ tells us that he is what is he he's the he's the good shepherd right and as soon as we hear that as soon as we hear that jesus is the good shepherd this, this picturesque imagery comes to mind. I think we hear often when we think of Jesus the Good Shepherd, and, and I had Jim read it, we think of Psalm 23, right? We, we come to Psalm 23 at, at times when we think about Jesus being the Good Shepherd. And we see this here when Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd, and it causes us to think of this biblical imagery, this spiritual imagery as well. But in our passage, Jesus makes it clear that he's much more than than a a good shepherd. He's much more than a shepherd. Note what distinguishes distinguishes him as the good shepherd. Look at verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. And look at this distinguishing characteristic of Christ as the good shepherd in verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So by Jesus' definition, Jesus says, The good shepherd does what? The good shepherd gives his life, lays his life down for the sheep. Now that would be, we would have to agree, that would be a seriously committed shepherd. Yeah? Now this was, we need to understand here that this was not common language. This, in fact, the sheep and the shepherd imagery, common. But the idea of a shepherd actually laying down and giving up his life for the sheep, that would be very unusual think of this this is this would be unusual that a shepherd would give his life willingly give his life for lowly sheep but that's exactly the point that's exactly the spiritual point Jesus is making that's exactly the point Jesus is Deep love for his own sheep, his own people, those the Father has given him. His deep love and care for them is made very clear in that he is the good shepherd who does what? Who willingly lays down his life for the sheep, voluntarily giving up his life for the sheep. Now, when we get to verse 18, and that's likely going to be in our next study, we're going to hear Jesus make that even clearer when he says, no one takes it. My life, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father, says verse 18. So when Jesus says here in verse 11, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, that had to be, just think about that amongst these people, that had to be a remarkable statement. The good shepherd lays down his life. For the sheep. Now, do you realize how remarkable that is? That we have a good shepherd that willingly lays down his life for his own? He lays down his life for the sheep. That had to be a remarkable statement to those people who heard him then, and it ought to be a remarkable statement to us, one that draws us to Christ. When you think of Jesus Christ as the good shepherd, you have to be drawn to faith in Christ, but, but wait, you're thinking, wait a minute. What about the shepherd, who, who, I mean, aren't? Wouldn't there be shepherds who give their life in 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 guarding the sheep? Well, no self-respecting shepherd would willingly give up his his own life for the sheep. I think that that makes sense to us, right? Why would we willingly give up our our own life if we were the shepherd? Why would we willingly give up our own life for the sheep in in caring for them? Uh, there were dangers involved in shepherding. There would be dangers. Out in the fields, taking the sheep out to pasture, there would be dangers that would come. There would be natural predators. There would be wild animals that would prey on the sheep. And a good shepherd certainly would defend the sheep. He would guard the sheep. He would protect the sheep. He would do things to scare away those animals or even kill those wild animals that would prey on the sheep. But he would never do so with the intent of giving up his life for the sheep. For one thing, that would be foolish. For a shepherd to go out and intentionally give up his life for the sheep, what about the sheep now, that the shepherd's dead, right? What what about the sheep? Well, the sheep will be scattered. The sheep will be ravished by the, the, the wild animal, right? It would be a very rare thing for a shepherd to die while protecting his sheep. It would be almost unheard of for a shepherd to willingly give himself for the sheep. But Jesus is different. You realize that? Jesus is different. He's the good shepherd who willingly lays down his life for the sheep. Now, it would have been an obviously rare thing for one who is not even the shepherd. We talk about the shepherd. Who, who may lose his life while defending and protecting and guarding the sheep because he loses it maybe to a thief or a robber or even to the wild animal that preys on the sheep as he, he's overcome by the wild animal. But it would be an obviously rare thing for the hired hand to face any physical harm while caring for the sheep. One who's the hired hand to lose his life while protecting the sheep would be almost... Unheard of, look at look at what Jesus says in verse twelve. Here's why. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep. But there's the key, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. You see the difference between the shepherd and the hired hand is that the shepherd owns the sheep. Right? The shepherd owns the sheep, not the hired hand. For the shepherd who owns the sheep, the sheep are his livelihood. It's how he makes an income. It's how he makes a living. If something happens to the sheep, he is done. He is done. But not so for the hired hand. The hired hand is only out a job, right? The hired hand can go look for another job. He's only out his his wages. And so until he finds another job, he's out an income. The hired hand is only there to make a wage. So when he sees the wolf coming for the sheep, he says, uh-huh, this is not what I signed up for. I'm out of here. See you later. Sayonara, sheep. And he's gone. And the wolf comes and has what? Free reign. He has his pick of the flock, right? And he takes whatever sheep he may, and the, and the sheep scatter. They, they run for the hills, right? And they scatter. They're, they're afraid, and there's no shepherd to guard them. So if something happens to the sheep... The hired hand is only out of a job and goes looking for another. Jesus says of him in verse 13, He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. you hear that? Now what we need to remember here is that Jesus is talking about, and he's alluding to and pointing to, by way of illustration, false shepherds or false teachers. They care nothing for the sheep. Who, does the, who is the false shepherd or who does the hired hand only care for? He cares for himself, right? And why does he run? Well, because as the hired hand, he has no real concern. He has no real care for the sheep. He has no pride of ownership, no real investment of his own. So he, he cares nothing for the sheep. And that is a clear picture of all false teachers. They only care for themselves. This is why it's so important for us to to study God's Word, to know God's Word, to read God's Word and saturate our hearts and minds with the truths of Scripture so that we will be able to identify those who care nothing for us, so that we will be able to identify those who are only out for for their own interest, only looking out for themselves, because they do not care for us as God's sheep. They only care for themselves. But by contrast, and their contrast is remarkable, Jesus is the good shepherd. He says in verses 14 and 15, look at them, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So here again, Jesus says he's he's the good shepherd, And this time it's in relation to how he knows his sheep. How does he know his sheep? I know my own. I know my own. Those the Father has given him, he knows them. And it's in relation to how the sheep know the shepherd. My own know me. We saw that imagery last week in the early verses of chapter 10 where the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And we talked about it, when the, when the shepherd goes into, into the communal sheepfold where there are several flocks or herds of sheep, and he, he begins to call, his sheep follow him because they know his name, they know his voice, they recognize his voice. And he even knows them by name so that he calls his individual sheep by name, by name if, if they're distracted by some other lamb or something, they're looking, looking for food or grazing or whatever. And he, he can call them by name and get their attention and say, follow And then he leads. We saw that last week as well, right? The shepherd leads the flock. He doesn't drive them. He leads them out and he takes them to pasture and he he takes them to protection and he takes them to water. So there's this imagery, this wonderful connection between the good shepherd and the sheep. He knows his own and his own know him just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And not only that, He says in verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. Note the comparison here. This passage is full of comparisons. This one helps us see what Jesus' knowledge of the sheep is like. He knows all about the sheep. It's compared to the knowledge of God the Father to God the Son and the Son to the Father. It's it's an intimate, caring, loving knowledge. Think about this. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, knows you. If you're his Lamb, if you're his sheep, he knows you. It's an intimate knowledge. He cares for you. He has a loving concern and knowledge of you. And note, too, the connection and comparison to the knowledge of one another, the Father and Son, share, and how it relates to how Jesus, the Good Shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. Just as the Father and Son, and, and we can picture this in our minds, just as the Father knows the Son, and the Son knows the Father, and they have this intimate knowledge, so it is for the Good Shepherd and the sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep because he cares for them. He loves them intimately, so he cares for them. His heart bleeds for them. Jesus literally, yes, bled for us and died for us, his sheep. It's an intimate relationship between the Father and Son, of course. We see it here. And it's an intimate relationship between the good shepherd and his sheep. There's a deep and caring love here. And note here the change in language. Jesus uses this language before in verse 11. He says, the good shepherd lays down his life. Now he says here in verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. What a a great encouragement to the follower of Christ here in this passage. What a great encouragement. We might see somehow the shepherd out leading the sheep, guarding the sheep, is attacked by a wolf, and in the course of protecting the sheep, has laid down his life. He didn't go out intentionally ready and willing to die for the sheep, but he goes out to protect the sheep, and and the wolf overcomes him. Jesus Christ willingly gave himself for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. What a great encouragement to the follower of Christ, and here's why. And there are two points I want you to see. Both of these points commentator Leon Morris draws out. Both points give, give us understanding as to why in this life a Christian should center his whole life on Jesus Christ. And we've talked about this. Already this morning in our Sunday School Hour, we talked about worship and why it's all about Christ. And when we understand more and more about about Christ, the more we worship Him because the more we're humble before Him, the more we surrender our attitudes and our conduct and our speech before Him and we worship Him. Two points. Both point to the reason the life of a Christian should center on Jesus and, and what He does for us and what He's accomplished for us. Leon Morris writes, A, good shepherd... Does not characteristically give his life for the sheep, the good shepherd does a good shepherd doesn't by characteristic give his life for the sheep. The good shepherd, the good shepherd Jesus Christ does so so earlier, and we noted the contrast between a good shepherd who owned the sheep and cared for the sheep because they were his investment, they were his livelihood, and the hired hand who who only cared for the sheep as long as it meant he'd he'd be paid. A good shepherd may, in the course of protecting the sheep, lose his life. He may, in effect, lay down his life for the sheep, be it from a wild animal or a thief, and the hired hand who would, who would run when faced with such danger. There's a contrast there, isn't there? Even so, the owner of the sheep, the one who owned sheep, would never willingly give his life for his sheep. That would be foolish. Foolish. To give up your life for your sheep? What about the other sheep that, that, that you're shepherding? What about your own life? He would not willingly set out to lay down his life. He valued his own life. When it came right down to it, he cared for his own life more than the sheep. Not so the good shepherd. Not so Jesus Christ. And that's where Jesus is far greater than an average owner of sheep. Far greater than any ordinary man. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he says in verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. You see, though it's not characteristic for a good shepherd to give his life for the sheep, the good shepherd does. Not characteristic for any old shepherd caring for even his own sheep, not characteristic for him to give his life, but the good shepherd does just that. Luke 19.10 says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He came to give his life. He came to be a sacrifice for many. And we noted it earlier that that we're going to see here next time that Jesus lays down his own life for those who are his. He does so voluntarily of his own accord. Verse 18, Jesus says of his life, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. And so... We fix our eyes on Christ, yes? We fix our eyes on Christ. We get them off of ourselves. We get them off of false shepherds. We get them on the shepherd, the good shepherd. We fix our eyes on Christ because he came to save. But he does it by dying. The good shepherd saves the sheep by dying for the sheep. And then being raised from the dead... And another reason the life of a Christian should center on Jesus and what he does for us and what he has accomplished for us is, as Leon Morris writes, the death, the death of the Palestinian shepherd meant disaster for the sheep. I mean, think about it. If the shepherd gives up his life for the sheep to save one poor lamb and he dies, what about the rest of the sheep? And so Leon Morris says the death of the Palestinian shepherd meant disaster for the sheep because the sheep would be overrun and scattered, right? He says the death of the good shepherd means life for his sheep. It's the total opposite. The, the death of the good shepherd means life for his sheep. As Peter says in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You see, in Jesus' sacrificial, voluntary, laying down of His life, there is eternal life for all who believe in Him. You may believe in Him even now. You may you may trust in Him even now. And that eternal life is yours now. You may rejoice together with us, right, as we lift up our voices in song and we rejoice in prayer in the way that we worship Him. We rejoice because it's finished. He's already given all for all of our sin. And in Jesus' sacrificial, voluntary laying down of His life is eternal life for all who believe in Him. You may not be a believer now. You may be sitting there hearing this this morning and realizing that that you need the Good Shepherd and you may believe in Him even now, even as I speak in the silence of your own heart. If you will repent of your sin and turn to the Good Shepherd, trust in Him, believe in Him, repent of your sin to God in prayer and trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, don't wait. Don't wait. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. He willingly gives up his life for you. So here's the good news. And it's all good news, isn't it? The death of the good shepherd means just the opposite of disaster, doesn't it? The real life shepherd, if he gives up his life for the sheep, it's disaster for the for the sheep, but not the good shepherd. It's the opposite of disaster. It means great gain for Jesus' sheep. Amen? It means great gain for all who put their faith and trust in Him. It means great hope. It means great promise. It means eternal life. It means an eternal home in heaven. It means a certain and precious destiny with the Lord where He will wipe away every tear and take away all suffering, and there will be no sin there. Sin will have no more dominion over us. Death will no longer reign. And so we look to Christ alone, the Good Shepherd. Pray with me. Father in heaven, what a beautiful picture you paint for us here in your word. How how beautiful and wonderful to see Jesus Christ as the good shepherd who willingly sacrifices his own life for his own sheep, for those you've given him. We we praise you and thank you and glorify you and God. I pray today. Would you melt the heart of the sinner who's who's saying, "I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, need, I don't need Christ." Oh God, I pray, help them see, help unbelieving hearts see and hear and understand their need for for the Good Shepherd, who's already done the work, who's already given His life, who's already accomplished the greatest sacrifice there could ever be. And he's done it for for us. Father, I pray that you would open blind eyes, soften hard hearts. And God, I pray for your children this morning, help us. Help us to, to live every day with Jesus Christ, the center, focusing on what he's accomplished for us, rejoicing in what he has done And the fact that it is finished and He conquered sin and death and hell and the grave and rose again and lives for our justification. God, I pray that you would help us to take great hope and encouragement and strength from that. That it's finished. Help us to live, yes, lives of obedience. Help us to take in the truths of your word and be moved and challenged and encouraged and even convicted by those truths. But God, I pray help us to to realize that we can't do anything to make ourselves acceptable before God but, but simply trust in Jesus. Help us to trust in him, the lamb, the shepherd, the door, the one who lays down his life for the sheep. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.